0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
2: this is twit Twit. bandwidth is provided by cashfly at c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com this is twit photo with katherine hall and leo laporte episode 15 for july 12 2011 bruce dale Twitphoto is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWITPHOTO7. And by Audible.com. To download the free audiobook of your choice, visit audiblepodcast.com slash twitphoto. It's time for This Week in twit photo or something like that twit photo is here katherine <laughs> hall is here our favorite <laughs> photographer hi katherine great to see you nice
1: to see you too leo i'm so
2: excited about our guest today me too yeah this is a guy you and i both uh, met in tasmania when we went with michael oland on that lightroom adventure it was <laughs> yes, so much we fun did. yeah
1: and i have to say i knew bits and pieces about him i knew he was magazine photographer of the year and white house photographer of the year and he has things in the voyager do you know he has a Image in the Voyager spacecraft. On
2: the, sp- on the spacecraft? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's the one that, that's going out to the stars. Yes. Uh, yeah. To represent I didn't Earth. know that.
1: Wow. His stamp. And I, I kind of expect him to be a jerk.
2: You'd never met him? No.
1: Neither did and I. so I think, oh, he does all this stuff. He's got to be...
2: One of the nicest and guys ever. he's the nicest ever. guy ever. Shares his techniques with us. Um, he's also an enthusiast, much in the same way that a lot of people watch this network are yeah. enthusiasts. He loves gadgets. He loves mixing gadgets with his photography let's introduce him what do you say Bruce Dale great to have you on twit photo
0: it's it's good it's good to be here uh thank you for having me his website and I don't know you think I'm a gadget man
1: <laughs> you are okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what what is that this is something that uh you you are the first people to see this we're working on this we're going to manufacture this you know I, the secret to good panoramas is getting a nice her, her, even horizon so you put these glasses on and you can then control you're not exactly going to make those it's got, it's a it's a pair of sunglasses with the with a
2: level on it yeah
0: and that those nice <laughs>
2: You're joking, I know.
0: <laughs> My <laughs> kids gave me that for, for, for Christmas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love I love Bruce Dale. This is his website, brucedale.com. And today we're going to take a lot of look at a lot of pictures and talk about Bruce's career. He's such an inspiration uh, to all of us. How many years at National Geographic? Uh, 30.
0: 30 years, 30 years on the staff. Wow.
1: Full time, yeah. He, yeah. And
0: most of that time, what well, was basically only for the geographic and you no know, we were they were very parochial we weren't allowed to do any freelancing on the side at all i didn't so.
2: when were you a white house photographer
0: boy i'd have to ask uh one of my historian friends uh what <laughs> <was they? laughs> i don't remember um you
2: yeah. we're just going to take pictures of uh show pictures that uh bruce has uh has taken uh over the years a, a slideshow of those if if anything grabs your attention there's that's stonehenge right
0: but that's a, a rare picture. Well the, we'll talk about this. This uh
2: which one? This one, the bird one?
0: Roadrunner. Yeah. This this evolved this is a story that evolved out of a out of a uh a story I was doing in Desert Adaptations and a and a roadrunner had been following me around one day and I started to photograph him and uh uh the the roadrunner well I was actually had an assistant and he said, Bruce, there's a roadrunner behind you and I turned around and he was gone and I said, Oh you're kidding. And he said and then he came back. And uh, I don't know if those other pictures are in here or not, but he came back the, uh, a second time, and he was carrying a, a cigarette, and he jumped in my camera case. And he came back a third time with a, with a lizard and jumped in the, in the vehicle. and uh, He loved you. And he, actually, that's the truth. He was, he was courting me. And so <laughs> we built a ro- radio-controlled roadrunner, and that previous picture showed a, a bird that had come up, and he was courting him. And I'm sitting over here in the background by that truck. Uh, with a remote control camera. Women say the, the, this
2: again cuz I know the story but I don't think people probably a radio controlled roadrunner
0: you've got a there's a roadrunner on that model tank that has a servo unit in the tail that'll make it go up and down or left and right depending on whether I want it so, to male so or female. So this
2: this thing on top that's a stuffed roadrunner. Yeah, and on a camera
0: and there's two tape recorders on board there too. And at at this point here, a roadrunner is coming up to mine and saying "hello, sweetheart." And uh, and
2: then and then this uh, is another picture of the roadrunner kind of attacking.
0: (laughs) Well, what had happened here was uh, the previous picture I think showed a a stick exchange. I put a stick in the uh, or yeah I put a stick in the model my model's mouth, and the wild roadrunner came up to it and accepted it. And this is basically uh, it, it means let's go build a nest together. It was a courtship thing and uh, but my tank had a broken track that day and it was only going would only go in circles and so the wild roadrunner uh, suddenly realized there was an impostor and he started to attack it and tear it apart and uh, <laughs> so
1: wow
2: this is this is a gadget but yeah. one of many many, many gadgets, gadgets bruce has created uh, over time uh, i i know i know a few stories because we spent some time together in uh, tasmania can you tell us the story of the uh, a very, it's probably the most famous National Geographic cover of all time. It was a 3D holographic cover that you shot, Bruce, of a smashing crystal
0: globe of the world. It's the
1: 100th anniversary edition. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Did that stress you out, Bruce?
0: Yeah. <laughs> i'm here oh uh, well yeah, take- first of
2: all here's the i found the picture of the roadrunner giving you a cigarette Wait a minute, let me find it uh, okay. there it is
0: yeah
1: I was <laughs> the truth comes out that's what he's a really gift, doing out a there. gift
2: from a roadrunner
0: he actually jumped in my camera case with that uh, with that now there's somewhere there's a picture of him in the camera case i don't know if i sent that to you
2: <laughs> i'll keep looking i'm going through all these I great pictures and uh, so tell us yeah, about so the, the crystal the globe
0: Crystal globe was bill garrett's idea and it was for our 100th anniversary and and what he was trying to do was uh, uh, make a statement, you know, our fragile planet, can we save it? So we had these uh, handmade Stubin crystal balls, and he wanted to have it exploding and coming apart, and uh, we're, we're cracking really, and with a message that our fragile planet, can we save it? And um, and he wanted to produce it as a hologram, in a, th- a 3D hologram, so that when I mean, you tip it one direction, you saw the globe in, an entire, in, in its entirety, and if you tipped it another direction, then the... Uh, the globe, uh, you could see it cracking apart. So it got to be very complicated. It took, it, I worked on that for several months and, uh, and it, um, uh, there probably is in there somewhere a straight photograph of it that I shot that was a backup for the cover, which I actually like better than the hologram. Um, but it, it, uh, it was full of complications. It, it was not an easy story to, uh, to pull off. It was, uh, you know, when I'm looking at my picture on the screen, it's backwards.
2: Uh, did you <laughs> it's, I can tell it's bugging you. I don't. It- <laughs> yeah, no, that's what's wrong. I, mean, I couldn't tell cool. why I'm seeing everything's
0: backwards My here.
2: pictures are backwards. Is that
0: typical? Are we? You, have you got it
2: flipped or something? Uh, I could flip you. you. Want me to flip you? I, let's just leave it as is. I don't know what hey. if it's backwards <laughs> or or if it's forwards. Raise your left hand, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> It's inside out. That's that's it. It's inside out. Um, yeah, yeah. Now there's a picture. I don't. I can't find the crystal globe. Although anybody who's subscribed to National Geographic will never forget that cover because it's it's really quite a quite the famous cover. But uh, I do have. I think a diagram of what you needed to build. You had to build a, a very steady table, right, for this whole thing.
0: Well, holograms are produced uh, on uh, 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 on tables that are so. Uh, that are uh, so sensitive to noise that a truck going by a block away will, will ruin the image. And so we were working with a pulse laser, and these were done in California. And uh, the, now this is totally different. This isn't this is it? This is the popcorn. <laughs> <This> is the, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? This
2: is how you capture a popcorn popping?
0: Th- this is a uh, <laughs> a setup for a picture of a popcorn here. Uh, the beam, little dot, red line indicates a, a laser beam. Okay. And somebody asked me if you could photograph popcorn popping, and I said I don't know. Let me try it. And so um, the first tests were done in the kitchen. I I wanted to see if I could pop kernels of corn one at a time, and so I was putting them on the stove one at a time and popping them and catching them and and throwing them into a into a little cup. When uh, it happened that day, my son's guitar teacher was visiting, and and uh, he walked in the kitchen and just as a kernel of corn popped and. I caught it and put it into a a cup, and and he said, "Uh, what are you doing, Mr. Dale? And I said, I'm making popcorn. And he said, oh. (laughs) And he walked out of the room, and a couple of minutes later, he came back, and he said, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Dale. And I said, yeah. He said, my dad makes popcorn, and he puts it all in a pan. And I said, really? Did <laughs> you really think that'll work? And he said, yeah, I know. I saw him do it. <laughs> so this- and now, and somewhere in there, you'll see a picture of one kernel of corn going up in the air. Wow. You look through it while you're watching this one. And you'll see five. It look like looks like five s- stages of kernel of corn that's going up in the air. Not this one. This one was done for an ad for Canon uh, when they saw the other picture. Somewhere oh. in there, you should have a picture. I don't have it. I have just the, the Canon picture. Kernel pictures. of corn going straight up. Shoot. Uh, anyways, in fact, in this one here, you can also see it. You see that one kernel of corn? There's some, uh, just to the. Well, I don't know if that's right or your left center. There's a little bit of gas coming out. Yes. When when a corn pops, uh, it actually. Uh, what happens? The the moisture in the corn expands, and the gases uh it's cracked the corn and it goes up like a jet engine and so you can hear you can see one of them you caught? that is uh that's actually shooting up in the air that's amazing the other one had was a single kernel, kernel of corn going up in the air uh shot with five uh, five flo- uh, strobes at different intervals using a Dale beam that my son designed. That was another shot in there somewhere.
2: This is just a completely random assortment of, of Yeah, uh,
0: we should have those in some order. I apologize. Oh, That's I don't mind because it's so
2: much fun. When it shows the breadth of your work, one of the things you were doing when we were in Tasmania was infrared photography. Yeah. Tell me about that.
0: Well, uh, there's a way to modify cameras uh, that you must be familiar with where you remove the the filter, uh, that, that cuts out the infrared light and basically passes all the infrared light and allows you to shoot infrared, uh, pictures. And I had an assignment not well, a couple of years ago to photograph Arlington cemetery. And I decided to do it with uh, infrared because it, to me, it kind of, uh, sort of, um, was a, uh, you're photographing with this, these invisible souls with this invisible light. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was, an it wound up running as a chapter in a book, and also in a, as a chapter in the National Geographic magazine.
2: And I think this picture is at Arlington, is it not?
0: It, they hung at Arlington Cemetery. There's one picture in here that's a wide, very wide panorama, not this one, but another one showing on the far left the Washington Monument, and the far right you'll see the you'll see the uh, uh, the um, Pentagon where it was hit by a plane. Uh. And uh, that picture ran as a 20-foot-wide print. I made a 20-foot-wide print by five foot tall.
2: Here's the infrared of me and Peter Krogh. Yeah, uh, sorry, you
0: don't look very flattering there. That's yeah. <laughs>
2: I don't care. I love it. And in fact, I'm honored because uh, on my birthday a few years ago, Bruce gave me a print of the panorama here. Uh, that he took at this beautiful uh, bay this beautiful pristine bay and uh, and i treasure it it is a beautiful panorama but these are all infrared uh, shots and it does well, give are, you this is from tasmania yeah it gives you a really green turns white
0: yeah it turns chlorophyll white and generally if you've got good blue skies it it'll turn pretty much black and it does it changes things around quite a bit. It, it, uh, it, it you, your pictures are it's a little bit pre- sometimes hard to preconceive how they're going to look because sometimes you might be wearing a black shirt there. Right. And it comes out white. Other times it comes out black. Now, your pants, for example, I'm not sure what those are. In fact, at Arlington Cemetery, it was stra- I had one series of pictures of a group of men um, uh, in uniform, and they were all wearing navy blue except some of them came out – the tops came out white and some of them, the pants came out white. And then, and uh, the navy asked me what I was doing, and I said N- nothing. And they insisted that there's no way that could happen. They all are built to ma- uh, military specs, but <laughs> not. Were built one some were, were synthetic or, or different. This is a- my watch collection after a, after a shoot. I love this. This is. This Can
1: you is- explain the Dale Beam to us? And go back to that watch. Did you use the Dale Beam for that one too, yeah, or the bullets hitting did, yeah. the watch?
0: Uh somewhere in there, you'll, you you, you flip by a picture of a. Of a bullet impacting on a watch, and it shows uh, uh, the compression of air molecules of a watch of, the, of, a, of a bullet striking a watch, and this is it here. Yeah, and that was not planned. I, that that was one of those serendipitous things that happens. You, uh, I wasn't expecting that uh, that flash of light there, and I found out later that that is the compression of air wow. molecules. And this was done for a story on time. and It was just sort of a tongue-in-cheek illustration of killing time. <laughs> Literally. So and, uh, th- this so is the I, Dale
2: uh, Beam, is what you used to take. Yeah, and
0: there should be another picture in there showing a setup for this. I think I took, I stuck that in there. A little illustration similar to the one you saw of the of the uh, of, the, um, uh, of Pop- the popcorn popping, and it shows the shock wave. It looks like this. The Dale Beam, uh, in this case, is, is emitting a light, il- light, light emitting diode, um, but it also has a microphone. And the, a bullet puts out a shock wave, and the, with an angle depending on the velocity of the bullet. And all you have to do is put that beam. Somewhere on the uh, on the um, uh, the bullet path and you can control the bullet a quarter of an inch and eighth of an inch at a time and you can actually use your your naked eye and and, and you can actually see the bullet stop. It's amazing the sensitivity of the eye that bullet that bullet was traveling at four thousand feet per second almost
2: it's an ama- it's truly an amazing shot I have to say
1: did you do you work with your son a lot and is that easy or hard? Well, we
0: have in the past. He's too busy now to. Uh, he's got a full time job, but but we the last thing a collaboration were the, was the the picture of the popcorn popping that uh, involved uh, that had a blue background that was done as an ad for a, for a, for a newspaper ad for for Japan.
2: I did find the uh, single kernel. I yeah, think. here's the single one. Yeah. yeah,
0: so you see the popcorn there. The very first one shows the kernel as just as it lifts off. And then the second one, you can see it splitting open and gas coming out. And then it, as it climbs, it gets larger.
2: I think you have a... You know, it's really... was it, One of the things I loved about uh, traveling around with you is Bruce's ability to talk to people was incredible. Like yours, Catherine, where he would make friends with people and uh, draw them out and get great people photography out of it, like yeah. you do. But he also loves mechanical things. And so it's an it's, interesting combination. It's
1: crazy, actually. I don't... I, You know, so many photographers specialize in one thing, and I'm just wondering: you do all these different types of photography, and you're obviously very passionate about photography. Do you have a favorite type, and why?
0: I think uh, that picture was made. The last one was made just as I left the Geographic, and to me, it was kind of symbolic. It was uh, on the north rim of the Grand Canyon. It's kind of which direction you want to go in your life? Which road do you want to take? Yeah. Um, This was, um, but um, I think that the most important pictures that I've made were the ones. Uh, in China, books on American mountain people, traveling with gypsies from England to India, uh, recording truly uh, journalistic, uh, capturing moments. And yet now I like I enjoy doing panoramas like this and uh, and, and and landscapes. Um, you were you were pretty young when you did that uh, trip with
2: the gypsies, weren't you?
0: I get, yeah, I did that in seventy four, I think nineteen seventy four. It was quite a, quite a few years ago. We drove from England all the way to India, and. Um, not sure if we have any pictures in there or not. Um,
2: yeah, kind of the sil- following the Silk Road with the Gypsies?
0: Well, actually, what we were doing was retracing the, the migratory route of Gypsies. The Gypsies all left um, India about a 1,000 years ago during the invasions of Genghis Khan, and they migrated uh, from India up through Europe up to England. And, and uh, traveling with a good um, ethnologist, uh, you could actually uh, tell which the you could meet a group of gypsies in Germany, and you could tell which route they took. The ones that went south of the Mediterranean
2: really? wow.
0: had one route for word for road, and the ones that went north used uh, drome, which is a Greek word. No, um, but uh, that that was a fascinating trip. One you could never do today. You know, I wish you know you don't appreciate these at the time. <laughs> they, uh, you know, but you wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be. I, we camped along the road in Afghanistan, Pakistan, everywhere.
2: This is not a gypsy, I don't think.
0: <laughs> this, is, this is Baron Del Redé. This, um, t- uh, this was taken in on the Ile-Saint-Louis. Uh, Ile and this man has this, this extraordinary home called the, called the uh, Hotel Lambert, which was recently sold for $80 million to Ooh. some friends from Qatar. And, uh, and he invited me back to a party that was reminiscent of, you, if any of you should see the film, um, uh, Midnight in Paris. Uh, he threw a party one evening, and um, he invited 400 guests. And the party ran from midnight until dawn. He had three orchestras. <laughs> it was entirely candlelit. It was like stepping back in a Renaissance painting. Yeah, I, I had. I only. Had, I went. I was allowed to go long, but black tie, one camera, black, no flash. <laughs> wow. It was. It was just like a, It was stepping back. It was like going back in a Renaissance painting.
1: So, uh, Bruce, with your people photography, I mean, you photograph everything from gypsies to this $80 million estate, and you people are comfortable with you everywhere you go. What's your secret to making people feel at ease?
0: I think, uh, well, I can say that working with gypsies, um, I found uh, that just showing an interest in somebody was the first thing. You know, if, if, if uh, there was a, this is not, that was not the picture, but there was a gypsy once. That did not want to be photographed, but he had a cat. So I, I said, "Can I photograph your cat?" And uh, and he uh, he said, "Sure." And I photographed his cat. And pretty soon he picked it up, and he before long he had it in his hand, and he was cuddling it. And I was kept photographing him, and he didn't mind. Um, the uh, uh, one of the problems for working with, with with translators is sometimes I like to ask questions, and I'll ask dumb questions, questions that I may know the answer to, but I want them to think. Uh, you know, gosh they're smarter than this guy from america that, that you know this you know he, he's not so smart after all i'm smarter than he is so but you have to be careful because some uh translators would know that they'll say well, well that's this so and so not say look i have to coach them ahead of time and say look when i ask you a stupid question i want you to ask the person i want you to I want him involved in it so that that's one way that, that has worked for me do
1: you so do you As far as people photography is concerned, do you have any particular favorite shots or, you know, I think one of the things that people will remark about with your work is that some of the people's highlights of their lives has been photographed for you by National Geographic, especially in your American West stories. How does that make you feel?
0: (sighs) Yeah. Mm, I I don't know if I understand the question. Yeah.
2: there's a lot of burden on you. I mean, you're making these.
0: Yeah, well, you, you, you do have a responsibility to the people, and uh, that's something that, uh, um, that weighs on my mind. There's some pictures that I've, I've recently been going back to re-photograph people. Those are gypsies. I've recently been going back to photograph people in the American Mountain People, and I want to see how it's affected their lives. And it truly, it has, in most cases, it hasn't affected them. And in some cases, I think profoundly. Um,
2: This is a classic.
0: This
1: is an amazing picture. So, Bruce, do you want to share um, how you almost didn't get the steam engine photos in China?
0: (laughs) Oh, I was telling Catherine about um, just last week I was watching television and I I saw someone holding up a page out of National Geographic magazine showing a, a steam engine. And uh, that was taken at the Datong Railway Works in China. And um, the person on television was explaining that that in Boone, Iowa, they had a, a narrow-gauge tr- track, and they had a, a diesel engine, but they didn't have a steam engine. And they were tr- trying to figure out where to get a steam engine. And they saw this magazine article, and they decided, well, let's go there. And they wound up buying the last steam engine made in China, maybe in the world. I don't know. Um, and uh, But... Th- th- it it probably, it probably came pretty close to them not having that engine because uh, we were in in that town and they weren't they would not allow me to photograph that factory. Who knows? They may have been making missiles too. But in any event, they and and every once in a while, I I had to know how far to push them. And in this case, I was pushing. And so I decided the night before to have a meeting with the writer, and I said to Bill. I am sick and tired. Of course, I know I know that they're bugging the room, that they're listening to everything. So I'm saying I am sick and tired of, of working here. You know, they won't let me photograph anything that's worthwhile, like the like the like the engine factory. I said tomorrow we're, we're going to tell them we're leaving. Well, the next morning, very first thing, ah, oh, Mr. Dale, we have reconsidered. We think it would be okay if you photographed the steam factory.
1: So-
2: These, this is a video that you put on Vimeo that I just love. Yeah. Thirty years of bad you need, you pictures.
1: Need the, you need the volume for it. Should I? Well, yeah.
2: yeah people will watch it with, the, and, they'll, and they'll hear. They'll hear Bruce's intro. He he explains why he calls his pictures bad
0: pictures. Here's a little Bruce Dale. I think for my initials B A D, Bruce Albert Dale. I spent thirty years as a staff photographer for National Geographic, traveling throughout the world. When I first started working at the Geographic, it was a tradition to stamp your initials on your film box after you had reviewed the slides. This went on until one day I caught someone throwing out my boxes while commenting, I don't know why we're throwing these out. They don't look that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Following are some of the highlights of my work for The Geographic during that period.
2: It's a really great set of uh, wonderful pictures uh, from Bruce Dale. Bruce, we're going to take a little break and come back with more. We want to get your tips, suggestions for yeah. uh, photographers. We have a lot of uh, amateurs like me. You were so generous with me in the, in the Tasmania, helping me uh, become a better photographer. Uh, we're going to get a couple of tips from you. And maybe talk about a favorite picture of yours as well in just a little bit. Bruce Dale is our guest. BruceDale.com. And all of his pictures are B-A-D, but in a very G-O-O-O-D <laughs> way. The branch, The breadth and range of the work that you've done is just... It's inspiring to uh, to all of us. But before we uh, go on, I want to talk a little bit about people who are creating their own portfolios and uh, tell them about Squarespace.com, the secret behind exceptional websites. A great website is where you can show your work in, uh, in, a, in your own portfolio. You don't have to rely on um, other services like Facebook or, or Twitter to do it. Squarespace is your site on the net. It can be a really wonderful place for you. I invite you to go to squarespace.com right now and click that green button and set up your site. Now, this is hosting plus software, and that's really important. All you have to do to create this first site, by the way, is no credit card needed, just a name for the site, a password, and an email address, and you'll be creating your own site. All of the Squarespace software is available to you, including their iPhone and iPad app, their incredible templates, their beautiful photo galleries, and I think for photographers and people like me, budding photographers, this is a great uh, feature of Squarespace.com. Go to the uh, go to the portfolio page and their examples. You'll see a lot of people have put together their art and photography portfolios. A lot of photographers use Squarespace, and one of the things I think is so important if you're a creative is that. Each site looks different. You don't, you don't want to look like the other guy's photography site. And boy, I tell you, Squarespace gives you such great templates that you never do. Squarespace, go there right now. If you decide to sign up, uh, very affordable, as low as $10 a month. That's hosting and software. And uh, if you use the offer code TWITPHOTO7 when you sign up, you'll get 10% off your brand new account uh, for six months. Squarespace. Dot com the secret behind exceptional websites and one of our uh, favorite sponsors, especially for for photography uh, pros we 're talking with uh, Bruce Dale he is a legend among photographers, a great photographer, uh, thirty years of bad pictures <laughs> i love I love that bruce I know. That's a great tagline and uh, I do invite you to go watch this uh, vimeo video because oh, there 's yeah, the globe there's by the, the way. globe
1: that 's amazing
2: all of the things that we uh, talk about are, are in here that's, how many stuben glass globes did you have,
0: Bruce? I had uh, five of them that, that we that we broke, and a lot. Of, and sometimes I would uh, re-glue them back together again. Back
1: to, <laughs> I mean, can you too. imagine regluing that back together? That's and, crazy. And that's the
2: cover, by the way. This is the amazing. And you, you were telling me that this actually may have been the beginning of the end for National Geographic because this was so expensive to produce that the the company said maybe we got to rethink how much we're spending on this magazine.
1: Oh, really? Interesting.
2: Yeah. It's. I mean, imagine putting this holographic cover on there but what a brilliant cover nobody will ever forget it this is these this is the these are the the polaroids
0: <laughs>
1: I, I wouldn't want to glue that back together yeah,
0: these, these, <laughs> those those weren't crystal balls those were uh, t- just ordinary glass that i was uh, using for testing yeah
1: yeah. And
2: this is the this is the machine that you used so that you could time the photo exactly
0: right.
1: Are you yep. a closet engineer?
0: The, no, they actually. I did the, photo- the the photographic setup part of that. We had a holographic engineer along that okay. that was responsible entirely responsible for all the holography portion of it.
2: What a so trick! And to get that shot exactly as the bullet breaks the glass—that's the trick.
0: Well we and I designed a device there that allows the we didn't want because it was a hologram, I did not want it suspended in any way. And so I wanted it drop through the air. So we're actually dropping the globe through the air.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Shooting it as it's The Days before digital.
2: How long how long did you
0: spend on that one image? We I must have spent a couple of months on this, yeah. Wow. At least, yeah. And
1: did they just call you up and say, Hey, we want you to do the hundredth hundredth anniversary? cover Something like that yeah
0: can you help us and did they this?
1: have did they have a concept for you at that time or did you help
0: the concept well i did help develop some of the design of the globe but basically the, the concept it was bill garrett's uh, the editor's design idea and and it was our fragile planet can we save yeah. it
2: yeah yeah december 1988 now there's a little flaw there is that what is
0: that you're looking at the the pellet that's reflecting inside of the globe wow and that's fine. That's how it broke. And you can actually look, and you can actually see it reflected inside the globe. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. So, are you ready to give us some tips, Bruce? Sure. So, cl- close one eye while viewing a scene.
2: And I know he does this because I watched him do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I wonder why a lot of his tips have to do with closing your eyes. Well, it's very I, interesting. I think a lot
0: of photographers do this too. Even some of the photographers that you have these little. Um, who was the photographer what charlie charlie had, had the little his little frame that,
2: that he because he was shooting in medium format yeah so he'd bring his little frame with him and look at everything yeah. through the frame and uh,
0: you're basically doing the same thing but by by, by cutting by closing one eye you basically eliminate the stereo effect you get rid of that enhancement that you get with stereo and you see it the way it's gonna look on flat flat paper so that's i tell people that you know that's often one of the first things you can do to get a better idea of what it's gonna look like. That helps so uh,
2: much because it flattens it out. Yeah. You know, and now you're seeing kind of the image. But it's not just closing your eyes.
0: Yeah, and then uh, it, it,
1: Yeah, you gotta you gotta squint, Bruce. Is that is that well, tip, tip number can, two the next, is squint? After
0: you close it then you might want to try squinting. And basically <laughs> what this does it eliminates that incredible range that your eye that your eye has that your camera does not have. And you see it with your with with the naked eye you can see well if I move over here for example, um this is funny. When I move one way on the screen, it goes the opposite way in both ways. the uh, uh, That window <laughs> in the back is totally blown out. The camera won't pick that up. But if I turn around and look out there, I can see all the detail in the world. And the same thing with that down in that fireplace there. Your eye will pick up all the detail. But So by squinting, you're going to get a better idea of how the camera is going to see it. You're not going to see detail in the highlight or certainly in the shadow areas.
1: All right. So we got to squint, and we have to close one eye. And your final tip is...
0: Stand on one leg and wear my goggles. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Really? (laughs) How do you choose your viewpoint?
0: Carefully. Carefully. If you're using a tripod, uh, uh, make sure you uh, pick your spot before you put the camera on the tripod because you're more apt to just put the camera where it feels good or where it wants to go. Uh, So I suggest you take your camera and... Choose that spot really carefully. And, and for example, if you were photographing me right here, um, going up a little bit. Whoops, I can't. Control. He's
2: arranging himself. Wait, now.
0: Recomposing. Trying to eliminate that uh, that light in the background, you see, which is a distraction. Right. Uh, and there's a little distraction over. Darn,
2: right. Man, right here. Skype is not ideal for <laughs> composition, is it?
0: Uh, but, um, yeah, you, so you can move. I'm going to look at one. You can move real carefully, and you can, uh, you can compose the picture. Boy, everything is backwards. This is hard. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing it,
2: we're seeing it uh, right, Ray. let
0: just do that
1: for
2: you, for Bruce, in case it's you want to comb your there. hair.
0: Do you? well, and if, you're, if you put it on a tripod, you're liable to put it right where it goes. But if you, but if you care, compose real carefully and eliminate all those little details, those little distractions, uh, and then put the, bring your tripod and put it where, right, right there at that spot.
2: I think you did that with this. This is your picture that became a postage stamp.
0: This is a, uh, yeah, this was carefully composed. I, I think I remember popping a couple flashes off and I didn't have anything fancy remote. So I, I had a self, the camera was on a tripod as high as I could get it. And I would, I had a self timer and I think I had it set for about a, a quarter of a second or an eighth of a second. And when the shutter opened, I'd pop the flash off my hand uh, because I wanted to get closer to the, to that foliage. Yeah. And this was, this was a surprise to me because, uh, uh, it um, it I I had unbeknownst to me it was sold to the, the to the post office as a stamp and I first heard about it when somebody mailed me a for, for first day issue and asked me if I'd sign it. <laughs> <laughs> so that,
2: you you weren't thinking postage stamp when you composed that.
0: Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> but you, it's <laughs> just
2: right for putting the USA and the forty cents right on there. You see, yeah.
0: And there that, you go. That's picture. That next picture, that's kind of interesting. Let's go to that next very one. The one of the, the this this is a priest in, in in Slovakia, in a small village that everybody warned me this this priest was not very friendly, and um, um, and so my uh, this girl on the, with the glasses on her head is an interpreter, and she talked her way in to see him one night late one night after he returned from a trip, and was not and he finally sat down and somehow the high, his his. He, it came out that his hobby was postage stamps, and luckily I had a print that some prints along of that of that uh, huh. of that stamp, and I uh, a photographic eleven by fourteen print, and I brought it, I ran out to the car. Excuse myself, ran out and brought the print back in, and he looked at it and his eyes lit up, and he went upstairs and he came down with the original stamp <laughs> that he had collected. That's and oh, wow. <laughs> then friends. I saw him the next day, and he'd been up past midnight. And he'd gone through all the old ledgers and found my great-grandfather, my great-great-great-grandfather, and and dates going back into the early 1800s.
2: (laughs) No kidding. Wow.
1: So that actually leads me to your fourth tip. He he gave us four. Love it. And that has to do with spontaneity and serendipity. Can you explain how they play a role with your photography?
0: Well, I think what I was getting at was that uh, I don't ever go off uh, without something in mind, uh, some kind of photograph in mind. But – that is never the picture that I really, really, really want. You know, the picture that I'm looking for is something that I could never think of in a thousand years. Something totally, totally serendipitous. Uh, okay. As you, there are a lot of pictures that I make, that my favorite pictures are pictures that I, you never, never, ever planned on. I was probably looking for something else, or I had planned on something else, but the one that that I that that I came away with was a total surprise.
1: So did this happen to you? When you were in China and buses broke down, yeah. It,
0: it, <laughs> these tell us, these tell China us, images are so Tell us incredible.
1: why you were actually happy when your bus broke down in China.
0: Well, on the early trips, we uh, the early trips to China, we um, the the buses would break down regularly, like not just a couple of times a week. There it, it would, it would be like three or four, five, six times a day. And it, at third, first, I was oh oh no, and then I thought, God, <laughs> this is what an opportunity because you never knew where they would break down. They Totally out in out in the further most remote part, remote parts of the country and then i got real daring and i'd say to the driver alright i'm going well, we're going that way right and i i would just walk down the road and i'd say you pick me up when you get it fixed and i would walk into villages and just walking in with a, and people these villagers would look at me and they you know they hadn't seen foreigners in 50 years
2: wow
1: yeah it's crazy
2: amazing images You're how many jumping. times did you go back to china
0: I've been there more than, uh, at least 10 times. If you include Hong Kong a dozen times, more than that. Mm.
1: So you were obviously shooting film at this time. Yeah, this when, is all film. When did you transition to digital, and do you still carry an 8x10 with you?
0: This, by the way, is the, is the uh, picture that, that of the Datong Railroad factory that they, oh. they, they photograph.
1: And you, that's actually,
0: that factory shut down within a year. That is so, the most amazing picture. It's for me. amazing. Yeah, isn't it like the 1850s or something? Isn't yeah. it strange? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was it was amazing. Now do you and, think
2: you could have shot this on digital or is this uh,
0: unique? Oh well, you could have done it. Surely you could have done it better on digital. I didn't see these these pictures until three months later. Good point. Uh sometimes He's and lucky they didn't gen-
1: get thrown out. Generally they
0: were the, 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 <laughs> I was lucky with my cameras, but I remember once on the on the Yangtze River and I always shoot with a couple of cameras and I always I number the cameras, the film one, three, five different cameras. And I mix them up, and all the when the film gets sent back, I, I separate it and sent back, send back the even rolls in one batch and the odd rolls in another. So they're always kind of apart. But in the on the in the gorges, the three gorges on the Yangtze River, once it got late in the day, and I and I was photographing somebody getting on a boat, and I was panning, and I started slowing the shutter speed down, and I went down to a thirtieth of a second, then a tenth of a second, and the camera went. I said, oh, that doesn't sound right. I went down to a quarter <laughs> of a second. and went, zip. Uh-oh. I said, oh, shit. And I went down to half a second. And it went, zip. And I, oh no. And every and one camera that entire day was shooting at a thousandth of a second. Ah! Oh. Lost an entire half a day's of work. I, I had two cameras, so I did get some pictures. But I lost some really, really nice, and very significant pictures.
2: You wouldn't have gotten this picture. That's, that's a beautiful shot,
0: yeah, you could do this in digital you could do not in one one
2: thousandth digital nowadays <laughs> yes. the last
0: somewhere buried in those pictures I sent you is a is an underwater panorama that is that happens to be the very last film picture I shot. oh, let me see if I can and find when was it.
1: that wow. when did you take that shot About two years
0: ago down in the Turks and Caicos islands i was i I had always wondered if you could do an underwater panorama, so I set up a tripod underwater and uh and put a camera on there with a panorama head and and um and was photographing uh, uh, a scene, and uh, and the next day I I closed the I shot I took the camera out again, but I didn't close the back properly, and I flooded the camera. So that was the last. Uh, those were the last film pictures I've made, ever made.
2: Here, here, here he is with his his film camera.
0: It's underwater. I've got a get-so tripod there. I didn't want to use my really right stuff head, so I bought a panorama head. I made a panora- panorama head from something I bought at Home Depot. <laughs>
2: He did, he, by the way, get so tripod, really right stuff, heads. That's one of the things I learned from Bruce on that trip to Tasmania. Here's the pano. This is the yep. last film image Bruce Stale ever shot.
1: But he, And he shows, you know, he does things creative to come with solutions that you went to Home Depot. Um, Bruce, <laughs> I love that. Bruce, can you share a way to diffuse light in a really cheap way? Something that you might be able to find at your local shipping store?
2: I think you're leading, uh, well, this is a leading, leading the witness.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, I, I was watching, well, some people, have, I've often bought reflector cards at, at Home Depot, but one of the, uh, the lightest things you can travel with that works surprisingly well as a diffuser and does not cut out light the way a normal sailcloth will is bubble wrap. And I've used bubble wrap for pictures on occasion. Quite a few times. I've had pictures published with bubble wrap. I, had, I remember in, in Switzerland a watchmaker where the, the sun was coming in and just uh, beamed, just was too harsh in the room and I just put bubble wrap over the window and it, it, it diffuses the light and it bounces it around in a thousand different directions but it doesn't really cut down the level of light much.
2: Do you do a lot of photoshopping, Bruce?
0: Well, um, yes and no. For, for journalism, absolutely none but Problem with and, and I've done some advertising photography where uh, yeah I have got part of it was made in Seattle and another skidding car was a, <laughs> a, a, a skidding pad here where I hired and advertising car.
2: anything goes right
0: and uh, the, the actual car we didn't want to identify as a Ford so the front half is a Ford and the back half is a Lexus and <laughs> and uh, so uh, but once you start doing stuff like that nobody will believe you anymore if you get a great picture That's they'll right. think it's Photoshop so there's no Photoshop in here. Well, this
1: with their advertise? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: This is a picture of uh, kind of a that saddle. That that's Ulysses Grant's saddle. Wow! And um, years ago, I was doing a story on Appomattox, and I wanted to photograph his saddle, which was in a small museum. And I talked to the uh, curator to let me take it out. And I took it out and I laid it, put it on this fence, and I found a, I found that that the horse the same as the same color as Grant's. And and the first time I shot this picture, I. I, I put the, I, I set the tripod up. I focused on the fence. I used a long lens so I could get the horse out of focus. I, walked, I, I Then I put the saddle on the fence. I walked back to my camera, and as I walked back to the camera, I heard this clippity-clippity-clop, clippity, and I turned around in time to see that horse grab that saddle oh. and wing it into the <gasps> field. Oh, my gosh. God, holy smokes. I ran out there and rescued the saddle and couldn't find any damage. Put and then at that point I ended up put a twenty foot cable release on the camera and, (laughs) and that's how I shot this picture. But this saddle now is now at the uh, the uh, one of the military museums down here uh, in Virginia. That's they've got insured for three hundred thousand dollars. Oh boy!
1: Oh my gosh, what's have you ever? damaged anything that's of particularly high value or lost what's your living,
0: living or does that include living objects
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's the story behind the, this picture here yeah this,
0: that's what i was thinking of this poor bird honestly I, 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 <laughs> god what a, this isn't very long, this is a long time ago this was in toledo ohio when i worked on the toledo blade newspaper and we got a call that there was a snow owl on a, on an antenna and can you photograph it? So I quickly looked in the encyclopedia, and I read, one of the things I remember reading was that, that it had a wingspan of, like, six feet. And so I went out, and I photographed this bird on the antenna. And the owner of the house said, are you done? You know, people were – all the bird lovers from the area were – the word passed quickly. And everybody was congregating on this on his, at his house, and he got a little upset. So he said, I want to get rid of that bird. Uh, you finished shooting? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm going to go up on the roof and shake the antenna. I said, you shouldn't do that. He said, that's Okay. So he went up on the roof and he said, "You ready?" And I said, "Ready." And he shook the antenna. Bird didn't just kind of cocked his head and looked at him. And, and, uh, and so the next door neighbor said, "Oh, I've got some firecrackers. I'll throw those up." And- oh, oh no! And, up. and I said, "No, you better not do that. And that's, that's illegal." And he said, no, "That's okay. I can do that." So he said, Are "You ready?" And he threw a firecracker and went bang. And the bird just kind of cocked his head and looked at him. And then he said, "Look, I've got a shotgun that's a lot louder. I'll get that." Oh no. I said, no, you don't want to do that. And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm a federal mediator. I know all the police. And I said, well, all <laughs> right. So he said, you ready? And I said, ready. And I'm looking through my 400 millimeter lens and I see it, bang and the feathers flying. Oh, dear. The feathers flying. And I said, oh, my God. He says, what in the world? And I, I didn't even shoot a picture and, and the bird plummeted to the roof oh, and, dear. and all Aww. the, everybody started yelling at me and you told him to shoot the bird. You told him, to no, <laughs> I didn't tell him to shoot the bird.
2: I'm glad we could set the record straight, Bruce.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not shoot that bird.
2: Now you don't do any uh, glamorous stuff, but this is an awfully glamorous picture. Yeah.
0: This is Terry Denton. This is a, a woodcarver's daughter. Very sad case story about her. Probably one of my favorite pictures. Um, Beautiful, story behind beautiful. this is, she she comes from a family of very very uh, talented wood carvers deep in the mountains of, in the Boston Mountains of Arkansas, and, and I'd heard about this family, and so I decided to go visit them and uh, flew over to flew into Little Rock and into, into uh, uh, not Little Rock uh, Fort uh, something somewhere south of in the Boston Mountains, rented a car, drove up here, drove down this mountain two miles, went through a couple of creeks, down through the woods. Her father was sitting there. He didn't believe I was a photographer for National Geographic. He had, he had five daughters. Terry was the oldest. And um, I got to know them really, really well. I, I still keep in touch with them. In fact, I talked to Laura just yesterday, not Terry. This is Laura's sister. Anyways, uh, Terry was in this creek, and uh, and I had, uh, on, that air, on that flight at Ozark Airlines, they gave out jelly donuts. They were the best jelly donuts I've ever had. And I told <laughs> so she gave me an extra one, and I had it in my camera case. And uh, and when I went to shoot these pictures, I needed room in my camera case, so I took it out of the camera case and I put it in a, a Halliburton case where a 500 millimeter lens used belonged, and shut the Halliburton case up. And we're down by the creek, and Terry says, "What do you got in that? What do you got in that silver case over there?" And I said, "Jelly donuts." She said, "Oh, come on, you don't have jelly donuts." And I said, "Sure, do you want one?" And I opened it up and. That's what captured that kind of...
1: Sp- <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why she was so warm. She's very happy. <laughs> she's very happy. Now, let me she's ask a- you
0: about lighting in this. Is it all natural light oh, or it using baths? Oh, course, all natural lighting, backlit. She, uh, she's a spectacular carver, had a lot of problems and eventually died of an overdose.
2: Oh, that's sad. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Accidental overdose. She, uh, she's... Um, it, it, uh, what was I going to say? She's, that, that picture is the only picture I've ever had stolen. It was in an exhibition once, and somebody stole it. And it got published in the magazine, and she got a stack of letters a foot high, some of them proposals.
2: Oh, I bet.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, I bet. I can
2: only imagine. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful shot, though. Just a gorgeous shot. We're talking nice. to Bruce Dale. Bruce <laughs> it's Dale.
0: T- there. Say again? <laughs> My face is frozen on the screen with eyes open and mouth open and shut. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It looks fine here, Bruce. I could just okay. say that
0: it looks good here. I should be looking
2: at myself, but I
0: guess. <laughs> here, look look at something
2: much more attractive. How about uh, look look at look at uh, look at uh, Catherine? Oh God,
0: yeah, that's easy to look at. Yeah, much
2: easier to look um, at.
0: But no, that I, that was a sad case, and that, uh, that I I actually sent you a little story about her. You take a look when you get a chance. Take a look at it. I got that it, yes. patch of stuff under um, Woodcarver's daughter.
2: I, I saw yeah. that, yeah, and uh, we will look at that, yeah.
1: yeah. So, yeah. Bruce, you you technically retired five years ago, but... Yeah, he's really taking but it you easy, don't, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the passion of photography is continuing Now, you're working on an um, Aurora project right now. Do you want to tell yeah, us anything a, about that?
0: It, there's a little village about 150 miles right straight west of Washington, D.C., called Aurora. And uh, some friends of mine started a... Uh, a hundred years ago, it was a it was a tourist that was a destination point for people from Washington, because it's up three thousand feet and uh, cool, and so therefore um, people would go there to, uh, to 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 spend the summers. The whole uh, big hotel burned down, but a lot of the little cottages are still there, and so there there's an effort to turn it into a an art center, and they got a nice grant from the state of West Virginia. And I've been photographing it, and doing a, a series of videos. One of them is called Spring. I did. I've already done Winter in Aurora, Autumn in Aurora, and these are. You can find links to those on my website, or you, they're on Vimeo.com. And I'm currently working on Springtime, and probably will make a stop there next week uh, to do a little bit of summer in Aurora work photography.
1: What keeps you so passionate about photography?
0: Hmm, well, I don't know what keeps me passionate. I'm passionate about a lot of things, uh, but um, I, I find it a challenge. I, I, I like the different challenges. I like learning new things, but I find it frustrating. This is from from winter in Aurora. And the nice thing this is uh, this was actually one of the first the first video I ever shot. Actually, uh, this little camera. Uh, it's a little little Panasonic. Uh, this was the uh, uh, G uh, the GF one I GF one I believe or g1 g1 anyways it has a a little dedicated button for video so i was setting up shooting that still picture of that of that house and suddenly the wind started blowing and it was wimping across there and i just pressed the instantly shut pressed the video button and and then a a neighbor came down the road to feed the horses and luckily i had everything set up and he's walking down in the snow and these horses are walking towards him it's a it's really a, a nice moment and um so uh, I then I started shooting more video. Uh, th- this was two years ago in Christmas time. And uh, so I shot a little more video. Um, I had, had a lot of trouble at the beginning sh- uh, stopping. I, I tended to shoot a lot of verticals, uh, vertical, vertical videos, which doesn't really work unless you're willing to turn your television set sideways and that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I shot a lot of those too by accident. Oh, I've done that first. so many I times. I think you have the GH one, which is the same Panasonic. No, that was, a, that was the, the, the Micro Four Thirds, uh, and it's a
0: The one I'm using now is a GH2. Yeah, the GH two. Yeah, the new one is, it's, and it's just gorgeous. The GF one. I take it back. It was a GF one GF that I, one. I shot that one. That was one of the really compact ones. Very nice. It's still a very good little camera. Yeah,
2: yeah, they're doing some really interesting stuff. I'll tell you what, let's take a break, and I'm going to ask a couple more questions about the gear that you use. Bruce Dale is our guest, brucedale.com. Catherine Hall, of course, our host from catherinehall.net. And uh, we are talking about photography. We love photography, don't we? And when yes, you get somebody like do. Bruce, it just makes you love it even more. Before we go on, though, I want to talk about something else. I also love audiobooks from audible.com. When we had that long trip to Tasmania, the 20-hour uh, plane trip, it was Audible that got me through that. As as always, Audible is, uh, is, a, is a real uh, lifesaver for me, whether it's a commute at the gym, a long plane trip. Having audiobooks that you can listen to just really transforms that trip and makes it actually something that you want to do i'm going to get you into audible right now i'm going to send you to audible twitphoto slash twit photo and you can uh, find out all about uh, audible by getting your first book free audible podcast.com slash twit photo you'll be signing up for the gold account that's a book a month first month's free first book is free the only challenge is going to be picking that first book there's yeah. so many great choices i just love audible i see there's a new one from uh, an early google employee doug edwards who was employee number 59 it's called i love the name i'm feeling lucky one of the things i do with audible you know of course in my profession there's a lot to read and i use audible to keep caught up with my my business stuff there's a lot of great business books books about the tech industry but i also have to say audible's great entertainment and i love listening to Books like, uh, oh, book five of The Song of Ice and Fire just came out. That's pretty exciting. Roy Dotrice is back. If you watched uh, The Game of Thrones on HBO this uh, season, you know that there's it's the first of five. This is the fifth book. I think the fifth and final book is now out. Just came out today.
1: It's kind of amazing, the breadth of...
2: Isn't it incredible? Because
1: I, I do a lot of business books and stuff like that too and it's amazing how much they have obscure it, books 75,000
2: titles There's yeah. yeah classics science fiction uh mysteries thrillers and and you know if you've got kids at home uh, whether they're 2 year olds or 15 uh, year olds really great choices for kids as well and uh audiobooks are, is a like the lightning thief it's just fantastic uh these are great books that uh, young adult books as well as kids books for all ages I just think you're going to love it so here's what you do go to audiblepodcast.com slash twitphoto sign up for that gold account and uh, you can get your first book free we love audible we know you will too audible.com these are all the new books I go 14 pages of new books I go here every every week or so and it's just it's endless audiblepodcast.com slash twitphoto we thank audible for their support of twitphoto photo. So Bruce, you're, you know, I, I know you had a D70 because that was the one you were doing the infrared shots with.
0: Yeah, yeah. The cameras, the cameras are tools to me, and I use whatever is best for the occasion. I used a Nikon D700 recently for some pictures where I really need to use high ISO. But uh, I'm right. enjoying a lot of the, these lightweight cameras. That, that the GH2s are, are great. The little Lumix cameras are, and. Uh, uh, so it's sort of basically a tool, and I use whatever is necessary, and, and I like to playing with them. And I know we're not – I don't know if you're allowed to do this or not, but I, and I just thought of something while you guys were at during this break. <laughs> but I, I've had more fun the past week with this little camera that's drop-proof, waterproof, dust-proof, freeze-proof. It has a GPS, a depth finder, an altimeter, a, a – what else is that? A bunch of other things. It does 3D. And it and it all and it. Uh, anyways, so what is this it, camera? This magic yeah, camera. camera. So you can actually you can turn it on. <laughs> He's going to drop it in water here. And you can you can actually shoot pictures like this. <laughs> and uh, sometime if we we got to hook this up to a little g a little do a little program where we can actually hook this into a little um, device there because put yeah, an
2: fi in there maybe the you could catch you it get, wireless. Get a
0: glass of water. I did something yeah. the other day of my my niece. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Who makes, <laughs> Two, who, makes who makes that camera? It up. Who makes that? This is the kind of camera I need. Who makes it? What is it? It's a little, uh, it's made by Lumix. Uh, oh, it's a Panasonic. It's All right. 12, yeah, 12 megapixel, oops. What's, the, megapixel.
1: what's the exact model of it?
0: Uh, it's a
2: T... Oh, that's a TS3, I think he TS3,
0: asked. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's supposed to be drop-proof from six and a half feet. 300 bucks. Like 12 times and... And it does video, and it has audio, and it has stereo, and uh, uh, GPS depth finder, altimeter, altimeter rates it all the to metadata too. Even when you're underwater, it does it records your depth?
2: I know you were. I know you were shooting uh, with the the uh, uh, Nikon D three uh, when we were in uh, Tasmania. Yeah. But I also I think that it's obvious that you you think of them as tools, and you shoot with whatever tool is right for the job. Yeah. Exactly, and so you yeah. you don't have any particular loyalty to Canon or Nikon or Panasonic or anything like that.
0: Uh, no, again, what I, I, I tried cannons. Um, I know Catherine uses cannons and they're great little cameras. Uh, they're great cameras. Um, uh, I, I like, uh, I think what, whatever you're most familiar with is the most important thing. Something that you can be so familiar with that you can just shoot instinctively without having to look at it. And, uh, and the models are changing so fast on some of these cameras. Nikons are great because ergonomically they're, they're terrific. And you can have, you pick up any Nikon, even the latest model, and usually you can figure it out in seconds. Um, some of these new cameras have got uh, touch screens, which I don't happen to like. But if you happen to be shooting video or something uh, and you have a touch screen, um, you might want to actually use it. And these things have HDMI uh, um, out so that you can have a large screen next to it. But the video, these little articulated screens are pretty nice on the back, uh, for, for uh, And I don't normally like touch screens, but if you're shooting video and this is off camera, it might be. It, someday maybe it'll be useful for something. I'm sure it will. But I generally like. Uh, I wish they would make a strict, a stripped down, manual version that was, that was, had nothing but f stops and shutter speeds, and, and get rid of all of the fancy gear.
2: Here's a shot uh gear shot of you and uh, Peter Krogh weighing the respective Stop. weights of your gitzos. All right. <laughs> holding it up with a pinky. Yeah. You
0: like yeah, it? And, and, and that was actually used I still use that tripod a lot. I was using it I was using it with a 500 Nikon lens recently. And it's it, it's a sturdy tripod and if you get a 500 balanced beautifully on there, you can it, it it was it was surprising to me how stable it actually was.
1: How many shots, what proportion um, would you say that you're using a tripod?
0: What proportion on uh, the
1: tripod? What uh, proportion of the images you shoot are on tripod?
0: Depends on the type of story. On a book on gypsies or American Mountain people, probably 1%. Uh, now that I'm shooting more video, I'm, I use a tripod a hell of a lot more. Um, the, uh, if I'm doing landscapes where I want to compose really carefully, 90% of them would be on a, on, on, uh, on a tripod. If I'm photographing people, 5%, 2%, maybe even. I suppose there would be times that. What about you? Do you, Catherine, do you use a tripod for? You do marvelous people pictures. How often do you use a tripod?
1: I very rarely use a tripod simply because I I move around a lot. So Uh I like to compose it and I'll move and I'll shift and I feel like the tripod kind of holds me down. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Here's another shot. This is. Bruce and Peter Krogh, and um, uh, I can't remember who the third person was. We were waiting for the light to change. One lesson I learned from Bruce. I think
0: that looks like Bill Hendricks. Bill, uh, oh, Winston,
2: it was, it was, was Winston Hendricks. Hendricks. You're
1: right. Oh, I love yeah. Winston.
2: Yeah, waiting for the light to change at Cloudy Lagoon. And I learned a lot of patience from Bruce. We waited about two hours for the perfect light for the perfect You can see panorama. the
0: panorama head, that, I, oh, that panorama adapter for that Nikon. I, that's from, got, that's
2: that. from reallyrightstuff.com, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's the longest you've ever waited for a landscape shot?
0: <laughs> you're talking about in hours or days? Golly, I went back sometime uh, day after day. After day. Mm.
2: I was impatient. I talked this, took this shot right away, and I said, "I'm done. Well, you're done. Let's have lunch." <laughs> and uh, Bruce, of course, actually stuck it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, you got a much better shot, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Wa- I didn't waste any time. <laughs>
1: Do you think that landscape or people require more patience?
0: Wow, a different kind of patience. I think you have to have patience with people. The landscapes—you um, have to be willing to go back and, and watch the light, look at the light under different situations. One of the strange things about landscapes, though, if if you see something, you better do it then. I either—I'm amazed at how many times I've gone back to a place to improve on it, and it is nowhere near as good as that first time. I mean, I've gone back to several places, thinking, "Oh, I'll do a, I'll shoot this again and make it better," but it's nowhere near as, as nice as the first time I was there.
2: Bruce is so inspiring. It's so nice to talk to you once again. I miss you, and I had such fun with you in uh, Australia. We, you may be retired, but I know you. Yeah. You, yeah. Let's do, let's do that again. I, w- I would love to go back. <laughs> somewhere, anywhere. Come with on,
1: Michael.
2: Yeah, let's get Michael. <laughs> we need doing. you, Michael. BruceDale.com is the website. Great place to go. Find that video on Vimeo of uh, bad photography. Cause it's really. It's worth hilarious. Yeah, career, and it's
1: gorgeous. Photos.
0: Just amazing, Bruce. Such a pleasure talking to Bruce,
1: you. Bruce, always a pleasure.
0: Good seeing you guys, and look forward to seeing you again in person. Thank you, Thank Bruce you for joining us. Thank you also, Catherine
2: Hall, catherinehall.net. <laughs> great site. Uh, you're bringing us such great photographers. I'm just Thank having you. such a blast meeting. In the we moment.
1: have awesome ones coming up.
2: Who's coming up next?
1: We have Peter Eastway next week.
2: Love Peter Eastway, another guy I met in Australia.
1: And then I'm really excited. Today we secured um, Zach Arias for the following week.
2: Tell me about Zach. I don't know his stuff. you
1: got to wait. I'm not, oh, not going to surprise, 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 surprise.
2: We'll end up with a little more of the video from uh, Bruce Dale and his uh, career. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Uh, we do this show, uh, let's see, every Wednesday at about 1 p.m., 4 p., uh, Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday. I don't know. I went, what day is this? Tuesday. 1 p.m., 1 to 1.30 p.m., uh, Pacific, 4 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Live. Uh, live.twit.tv. Of course, you can get the show after the fact at twit.tv slash photo on behalf of uh, Catherine. I'm Leo Laporte. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. On Twitch Photo.